You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. We are live. Finally, hallelujah. I've got to apologise before we dive into the show. Uh, to those of you that tuned in to watch this live earlier on, we were supposed to stream this very episode, the Brighton versus Arsenal preview at 12.30pm. And unfortunately, I had some issues. I tried to log into StreamYard, which is the software that I use to put these shows out to you guys. And I, it allowed me to create the stream. It allowed me to create the podcast. And then when I clicked on enter the studio, which is the, the fancy little page, they call it a studio, that allows me to then start broadcasting to you guys, I kept getting an error message. And this error message was driving me absolutely insane. I went and reset my router. I called up my internet provider. I contacted Everybody and anybody, I contacted StreamYard, uh, who told me that there was an issue at the back end after me wasting about an hour and a half of, uh, of messing around. And uh, and they told me that there was an issue on their side and that it would be resolved at some point today. Now, I was actually sitting down. Uh, I got the camera out, everything. I was about to sit down and, and pre-record a Brighton versus Arsenal preview so that I could get something out to you guys. Uh, late this afternoon or this evening, and then bang, it worked. It came back. StreamYard is alive. The Chronicles of Aguna is alive, and we are live, uh, bringing you this preview of Brighton versus Arsenal in the Premier League. I'm going to be talking about the lineup. I'm going to be talking about some of my thoughts on the game. Ahead of it, we'll be talking about how Mikel Arteta deals with the absence of Granit Xhaka. What's the best course of action for him to take? Does Sambi Laconga? walk straight into the side and play as part of a double midfield pivot alongside Thomas Partey? Or do we see Mikel Arteta do something a little bit different, something similar to what we saw at Burnley, for example? So lots and lots to get into. I'll also be giving you my prediction um, and we'll be taking some of you guys' thoughts from the live chat box. Let's say a big hello to everybody who is currently watching us live. I hope you're all well. hope you're enjoying your Friday. Uh, absolutely uh, buzzing that the weekend is just around the corner. Uh, if you are watching this back later on, welcome. If you are listening to the show on uh, audio, welcome. Right, let's uh, let's get into it. So Arsenal take on Brighton at the Amex Stadium tomorrow night, Saturday evening, 5.30pm kickoff. I hate this kickoff time because I always feel like over the years, Arsenal have just been so poor at, when playing during this kickoff time. The two slots I hate for Arsenal, I don't hate them in general, but I hate them for Arsenal. 12.30 on a Saturday, 5.30 on a Saturday. I find them to be uh, slots that we don't tend to do that well in. And I've got no statistical proof of that, but it's just the feeling I have in my mind. Um, and, and normally those feelings are, are, are quite accurate. So, yeah, not an ideal kickoff time. Tricky uh, away trip to a very informed Brighton and Hove Albion. Yes, they dropped points at Crystal Palace the other day. Uh, but they are, you know, having an incredible season so far. OK, it's early days. And I'm going to talk a little bit about why I'm not personally 
reading into Brighton's league position too much at this stage. Um, I feel like I probably shouldn't do too much of that in case I curse us. But I guess the point I want to make on Brighton is, look, Brighton obviously um, have had a fantastic start to the campaign. You only need to look at their stats this season to work that out. You know, they've played, um, you know, they've played six games. They've only lost one. Uh, they've drawn one and they've won four. They currently sit sixth in the Premier League table at four points ahead of uh, four positions, I should say, ahead of us. In terms of average goals scored per match, uh, Brighton lead us by quite a way on this. They average 1.33 goals per match. Arsenal don't even average one at this stage. Now, of course, things have improved in the last couple of weeks, but um, or no, they haven't in terms of goals scored. Things improved against Spurs. But if you think about it, it was narrow wins against uh, Norwich City and, and against Burnley. So you can understand why that stat uh, is not very telling. Now, Arsenal average goals conceded per match so far this season in the Premier League, 1.67, which is worrying. But that is skewed, isn't it, by the results right at the start of the season. In terms of clean sheets, the two teams are on par. Uh, both have kept two clean sheets so far this season. But Brighton, according to the stats, create significantly more chances than us. So why am I saying that I'm not going to read too much into Brighton's league position at this stage in the season? Well, here is why. Because the table in many ways has not taken shape yet, okay? And it, it never does really until you get to kind of November, um, December. You start to see the those gaps forming between those teams that are going to challenge for the Champions League and then those teams that are going to challenge for the title and you get a bit of a better picture, you kind of get an understanding of who may or may not be involved in a relegation battle. And although, you know, we, we do see certain elements of that on show right now, like the top four, for example, uh, I do think that you shouldn't really read into the table all that much. I mean, you look at Arsenal now, um, our position is is probably a fair reflection of our season so far. It's a true reflection of our season so far because we lost three and we won three. So it's evened out. So where do we find ourselves? Slap bang in the middle of the table. But I guess for somebody like Brighton and Hove Albion, I just feel like come the end of the season, they will not be in sixth place. They will not be challenging for Europe. I'd be very, very surprised if they were able to maintain this level. And so when you look at their team and you look at the qualities they have and the shortcomings they have, you can certainly, you know, say that although the table reflects them as being the sixth best team in the country, they're not, you know, they're not. And and I think that's, um, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair thing to say. Having said that, Brighton have the ability to cause Arsenal all sorts of issues. You know, we know that they're very fluid in their football. We know that they like to get forward with regularity. We know that Neil Mopai is a, is a decent striker. Danny Welbeck has been on the score sheet this season as well. Um, we know in terms of characteristics, what it is that Brighton are likely to do in terms of the way they set up. We know they're likely to play with a back three. And we'll come on to talking about that in a little bit when I share my lineup as to how we deal with that or whether we should do anything to try and cope with that or if we should just be focusing on our game. There's lots and lots to get into. But I guess for me, look, Graham Potter is a fantastic manager. He's done an excellent job at Brighton and I'm sure he will continue to do an excellent job at Brighton. But they are not 
contenders, in my opinion, for European football. Therefore, you could say that Arsenal should be beating them. If Arsenal have aspirations of qualifying for Europe this season, fixtures against the likes of Brighton are the kind of which we've probably got to be winning. The only thing I would say, though, is let's be mindful of how Arsenal's season has gone so far. And therefore, while I think in theory we should be beating them, if we don't, it doesn't come as a, it or it won't come as a huge surprise to me. And it shouldn't come as a huge surprise to any of you. You don't go from being bottom of the table after three weeks to world beaters who are expected and should and will win every single game in the Premier League. There's a long way to go before Arsenal get to where they want to be. There's no, you know, just because Arsenal beat Spurs, Burnley and Norwich doesn't mean that Arsenal are the finished article. It doesn't mean that all the issues have disappeared, that all the problems have been wiped away. But equally, just because we lost the first three games didn't mean we were the worst team in the world. So I'm a very big believer in taking a step back and looking at a wider sample in order to make your judgments on a football team and whether or not it is they are, uh, you know, progressing or not. So do I expect Arsenal to win tomorrow? Um, I think it's a game that we have to be aiming to win. And I don't think there can there is room for any other message. You know, it's got to be a game that Arsenal go out and try to win. But equally, if Arsenal were to come away from the Amex with a point, and therefore they would have taken 10 points from an available 12 over the last four games, I think that you have to say that that's pretty good. And again, I go back to that point of you don't go from being so bad to so good so good that you're expected to win every single match and take maximum points all the time. So it's about tempering that expectation. You know, if Arsenal do win at Brighton and then go and beat Crystal Palace and then go and beat Aston Villa, all of a sudden you're looking at a different Arsenal side and then the levels of expectation can rise accordingly. But we're just not quite there yet. And so 10 points from those four games, if you'd have offered that to me at the start of that run, I'd have bitten your arm off. So I would take that. I wouldn't be thrilled by it. Obviously, I want Arsenal to win. But you won't catch me unless we're uh, really, really poor. You will not catch me on tomorrow's edition of the Chronicles of Aguna talking about what a disgraceful result it was uh, that we dropped two points at Brighton. If we get beat, different. If we play badly, different. But I guess for me, it's I I'm going to watch the game, see how it unfolds. I've taken a lot of encouragement from what I saw in the victory over Spurs, but I'm also not deluded enough to think that that means that now we're going to go and win everywhere we go. Does that make sense? Hope so. Let's say a few hellos in the chat box because there are plenty of you in here. Uh, let's say a big hello to Saeed Abdullah. Saeed, I have to say a massive thank you to you because Saeed put a super chat into the failed stream that we tried to do earlier on before I even went live. Uh, and unfortunately, obviously, that stream has gone. Um, so it's not there for me to show on the screen. Uh, but I do want to say a massive, massive thank you uh, to Saeed Abdullah. And I apologise again to those who did tune in earlier and were disappointed. He says, your hard work will always be appreciated. No need to apologise. I love your channel. Love listening to you and engaging with you. Top man, Harry. Keep up the good work. Thank you, mate, for your constant support. 
Big hello to all our members in the chat box as well. There are plenty of you here. I can see you. Uh, if you'd like to become a member yourself, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description. If you're watching via YouTube on your computer, you can click the join button just below the video and that will take you to our membership page. If you are listening via audio, make sure you subscribe and make sure more importantly that you leave us a review. Uh, big hello to Ashish as well, who joins us from Nepal. He says, hello, Harry. Love your content all the way from Nepal. Welcome. Welcome. Right. So how would I set up against Brighton tomorrow? How would I approach this game? Bearing in mind, as I mentioned right at the top of the show, we are um, without Granite Xhaka, who, regardless of what you think of him, is undoubtedly an integral part of Mikel Arteta's plans. He is one of the first names on the team sheet and he's not available. And we know he was unavailable for three weeks due to suspension, but it felt like we were kind of, you know, we were in a place where we had everybody back and we were raring to go and ready to really, really push on. And now this injury for me feels like Arsenal slamming into a bit of a brick wall. And I'll explain why. I think for me, he gives you a discipline in terms of his positional play, not in terms of him as a man. We know that he can lose his shit from time to time, that he loses his head, grabs people by the neck, etc., etc., etc. But what he does do is he brings a positional discipline. And that is so key in other players getting forward and being effective in the way that they attack. So the fact he's gone now or he's unavailable now, at least until the new year, poses us, I believe, a really, really big problem. So how do we deal with this problem? Think about it. Let me know what you think in the chat, because I'm going to start by naming my defence, and then we'll come to that in just a moment. Uh, but before I do that, big hello to Aaron Robinson, who said he just signed up as a member a couple of days ago. Class podcast, man. I live in Canada. Aaron, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And uh, welcome to the family. Make sure you click the community tab, grab yourself the Discord server link and come and join us in the members only chat box as well. Uh, right. Let's uh, let's start having a look then at this team and what it is uh, that we can perhaps expect, what it is we'd perhaps like to see. Um, so let me take you over to my uh, tactics board. Doo -doo 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 -doo. No, that music doesn't go, does it? uh where is it uh now here we go just uh let me switch that over there we go so how should Mikel Arteta line up and and I apologize there's a couple of ads on the screen that I just can't make disappear I've got no idea why but I think for me when we're talking about the team selection ahead of this game it's very very simple the back four at back five if you want to include the goalkeeper for me absolutely picks itself and there's no doubt about it. You know, there's we've been incredibly impressive in that department over the last few weeks. And I don't think there should be any debate about who is named in that back line. So Ramsdale in goal, Tomiyasu at right back, a centre-back pairing of Ben White alongside Gabriel with Kieran Tierney playing at left back. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. There you go. Moving into the midfield now, this for me is the big talking point. It's one of two big talking points. It's one of two big debating points, I would say. So, um, what would I do? Would I mess about with the system? I don't think I would. Because I think, although we saw at Burnley, Arsenal 
play this, what I thought was a 4-1-4-1 with Thomas Partey just sitting in front of that back line, um, covering that space. And then the more kind of technical and, you know, players in Emil Smith-Rowe and, and Martin Odegaard were tasked with kind of ticking us over in that midfield. I think this is going to be a very different fixture. I feel like we have a lot more security when we play with a 4-2-3-1 than when we play with a 4-3-3, just largely because of the personnel that we've got available to us as well. I don't look at our alternative options, and by alternative options, I mean Lokonga, Elneny, Maitland-Niles. I don't look at any of them and think they are 100% ready. They are 100% good enough at this stage to play in the centre of midfield for Arsenal week in, week out, and deliver what is expected of them. But I do think that Sambi Lokonga is the one of those guys that has the potential and the ability to really benefit from Xhaka's absence, establish himself as a Premier League player and learn a lot. So I'm going to go with the decision. And again, it's not up to me. So don't blame Mikel Arteta for what I'm saying. But I'm going to go with Lokonga in there alongside Thomas Partey. Now, there's been a lot of talk about the, the two being quite similar in their style of play. There's a lot of talk about how that combination may not work. Like it's kind of, I think it was this, uh, mentioned earlier on by Deluded Guna when I when I went on his show where he said, it's kind of a little brother, big brother, or big brother, little brother, or little brother, big brother, whatever. Uh, big brother, little brother kind of relationship between Thomas Partey and Sambi Lakonga. But for me, I just, I, I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it. And I think with Burnley, you knew that they were essentially most of the time going to bypass the midfield, go long, get the ball up to the centre forwards. And then it was imperative that Arsenal had players in and around Chris Wood, Barnes, whoever it was, to make sure that they could deal with the second balls. Brighton are different. Brighton are a footballing side. Brighton are going to try and play their way through us. And I feel that given Brighton play with a back three, which then means that naturally they lose one more player uh, in the midfield. I think that that gives us the opportunity that if we get this midfield right and if Lukonga and Partey can really impose themselves, Arsenal could control the middle of the park on Saturday evening. Now, we know and having looked at Brighton quite a bit today, we know that Brighton often, very often, in fact, will squeeze one of their three centre-backs into the midfield to make up for that. But in doing that, they lose the stability that the back three gives them. So for me, I, I you know, I've seen a lot of people in preview shows and, and in conversations that have been going on in social media over the last 24 hours suggesting that Arsenal should switch, should go like for like, should go with the back three, the wing backs, etc., etc. I disagree. I think Arsenal should play the 4-2-3-1 with Ramsdale in goal, Tommy Asu, White, Gabriel and Tierney across the back line, Partey and Lukonga in midfield. Remember that Brighton are supposedly without, or are going to be without, Eves Bissouma, which makes a big difference. And so I feel like if Arsenal can really grab a hold of that midfield area, we could have a very, very successful evening. So Lukonga and Partey for me. And another reason why I don't think that Mikel Arteta should revert to the back three to match up Brighton 
is because I think that one of the biggest criticisms he has faced since taking the job is a lack of identity, that the team has a clear, distinct um, lack of identity. And in a way, sticking with this, you know, all right, it might be a 4-2-3-1 some weeks and a 4-3-3. It's, they're, they're two very similar systems, right, whereby you can rotate between the two and do that depending on, on your opponent and depending on what you think is best on that given day. But I think Mikel Arteta, since we've got our players back and since the Norwich game, has shown that he is more often than not going to play with that back four. And so not only is it something that we're learning week on week, that we're developing in a system that we're becoming incredibly comfortable with, I think he would be doing himself a favour in the eyes of the fans if he went, I'm going to nail my colours to the mast. This is the way we are going to play. Because even when things don't always go right, even when things are, you know, stuttering along, bumping along that bumpy road, if that's what you want to call it, you do feel as though you are, I don't know, I feel more understanding, more willing to give somebody time if I can see what they're trying to do. And if he was to then go to the game tomorrow against Brighton, having reverted back to the four-man defence and then gone, actually, I'm going to play a back three again, I would be like, well, what are you doing? You know, there are certain games where you're probably quite justified in doing something as drastic. I felt like he should have done that against Chelsea earlier on in the season and he didn't do that. So that was a kind of game where you do it. But for me, this is not a game, you know, Brighton are not so good. They've been good this season and I'm sure they will have a, a very good season by their standards. But they are not so good that you should be abandoning your approach in order to deal and contain to deal with and contain them. They are Brighton. And I don't mean that to sound disrespectfully, because if they beat us tomorrow, people are going to say that I underestimated them. I'm absolutely not doing that. I just feel like Mikel Arteta is at a point now where he is un he was under immense pressure. He still is under immense pressure in the eyes of a lot of the fans. He needs to start showing something. And one of the things that I believe would help him is if he was to start to show a bit of an identity um, and, a, and a bit of a kind of philosophy moving forward. So uh, that's that's uh, that's how I see it. But moving a little bit further forward, I think it's really easy. I think Martin Odegaard was so good against Tottenham that he needs to play. Uh, likewise, was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who I expect to lead the line. And look, this is the kind of game that you feel Aubameyang would be really well suited to, because you do expect Brighton to squeeze high up the pitch, to try and uh, control possession around about the halfway line. And Arsenal, uh, with the pace that Aubameyang brings to the table could look to get him into those channels in between the two, in between two of the three centre-halves. I think also Bukayo Saka uh, stays in the team because he was so good and as does Emil Smith-Rowe. Now that's really harsh on Nicolas Pepe because Nicolas Pepe, I think actually was a, was, was quite unfortunate to be dropped from the North London derby. He was, and it worked, um, you know, on that occasion and because it worked so well, I think Mikel would be 
a little bit silly to kind of veer away from that or venture away from that. But Nicolas Pepe can feel quite hard done by, I would say. But look, competition is healthy. And, and as I've said time and time again, you know, it was like when we signed Odegaard, people were saying, what's going to happen to Emil Smith-Rowe? You know, when we were looking at, uh, you know, certain players, there's always people that say, oh, yeah, but that blocks the development of so-and-so. No, over the course of the season, all of these players will get ample opportunity to have an impact, to make something happen, to contribute to the team's success or failure. And therefore, um, I'm not stressing six, seven games into the season about people being left out and what that means for their futures. You pick this team, you end up, you you have good options from the bench as well. You have the likes of Lacazette, the likes of Bern Leno in goal, a very experienced goalkeeper. You've got the likes of, um, you know, Nuno Tavares, you can come in at left back. You've got, uh, you know, some re some really sort of good players that you can call on, Pepe, Martinelli, etc. So the squad is looking in a lot better shape. And, and that means that there will be from week to week people that have to miss out, people that sometimes the fan base might feel deserve to play will be left on the sidelines. It's just the way it bloody is. Um, so just to kind of run through my team one more time, for those of you especially listening on the audio who can't see the graphic, I would have gone or I would go with Ramsdale in goal, back four of Tommy Asu, White, Gabriel and Tierney. I'm going with Laconga in midfield alongside Thomas Partey. Martin Odegaard in the 10 position with Emil Smith-Rowe from the left, Bukayo Saka from the right, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang through the middle. Let's take some of your questions. Let's take some of your thoughts. Get them in the chat box now while I'm waiting for some of you guys to do that. Please do hit the like button if you haven't done so already. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you are new. We're around about 200-odd uh, subscribers away from hitting 17K here on YouTube. And if we could get there um, in the month of October, I'd be absolutely delighted. So let's, you know, please uh, subscribe if you're new. Uh, if you want to go one further by becoming a member, you can do that as well. Uh, but please support the channel. It is very, very much appreciated. Right, let's take some of your questions, some of your thoughts uh, from the live chat box. Um, can't believe there's comments saying that people that Inter says he'll take a loss to put Mikel Arteta back on the fire, to be honest. Can't believe there's comments like that. Uh, Reggie says uh, Arteta was able to use positional tactics to draw the Spurs midfielders into positions that created big holes in their defence. He'll make changes that will make that happen to Brighton. Hopefully, um, hopefully, you know, I'm still in the aftermath of the North London derby. I'm still trying to work out percentage wise in my head how much of it was Arsenal being very good and how much of it was Tottenham being very bad. And it is a bit of both, I think. But, you know, did he, did Mikel Arteta set up, draw those players into those areas or did Tottenham's approach and 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 did Nuno, Espirito Santo's instructions lead to those players chasing into those areas? Because I felt like they were clearly trying to go for a more direct approach. But equally, I thought they were sometimes too aggressive in their press, so aggressive that it pulled Deli Ali and, and God knows who else was in the Tottenham midfield because they were also bloody anonymous out of their positions, uh, creating those gaping holes for Arsenal to expose. So I'd like to, Reggie, um, give Mikel Arteta, oh, I've given him loads of credit off the back of the game. I'd love to give him credit for that particular aspect, but I'm still not sure in my own head how much of it was 
us being very good and being very clever and being very deliberate in in drawing them into those areas or how much of it was because they just got it so badly wrong um a couple of you commenting about neil mopai obviously look there's a bit of an added spice to this game uh because of what happened between neil mopai and uh and matteo genduzzi because of some of the results that brighton have picked up against us in recent seasons um, there, there is a little bit of an edge to this one, an edge that wasn't ever there before. You know, I've never had any reason to have a thing against Brighton. But I mean, seeing them today, I, I was scrolling through social media and I saw Brighton put a post up about the three victories they've had over Arsenal or something like that. And uh, it was like, come on, let's do it. And it's just like God, things like that make me just want Arsenal to just turn up tomorrow and really stick it to them and bring them back down to earth. Um Speaking of social media, I got a notification earlier um, from Arsenal. Let me just um, have a look if I can find it. Did anyone else see it pop up where it said, like, welcome, Jack? And I think it was about, uh, I'll tell you exactly what it was. Um, if I can find it. No, why can't I find it now? Yeah, I, this notification came up on my phone twice, right? But I can't find the tweet. That said, welcome, Jack. And I think it was about a young lad that signed maybe an academy contract or something at Arsenal. Um, again, I, I can't find the tweet right now to tell you exactly what it was. But it, welcome, Jack. We're talking about a lack of midfielders. And I'm like, no way have they signed Jack Wilshire. But obviously, uh, they haven't. So uh, panic over there. Uh, <laughs> but let, let's go back to the chat box. Uh, what else have we got? Um, AFC123 says, Harry, do you think that pushing Tomiyasu into the inverted position is good as he is two-footed. Yeah, um, you know, I think the inverted position just means that, and, and a lot of people ask why managers use these kind of inverted fullbacks. And I guess for me, while I've got the tactics board up, just to kind of demonstrate quickly why I think that is, is because when you lose the ball, Wherever you are on the pitch, the first thing you want to do as a football team is, is revert back to shape. And when it's a defensive shape, the priority in a lot of cases is to get narrow and to get compact, defend the width of your penalty area um, and, and make sure that you're at least blocking that route. And look, if somebody's going to score a screamer from an impossible angle, then fair play to them. But make them have to do the hard work, right? Make them have to do that. So I think the reason that managers like seeing uh, players in that or using fullbacks in that inverted role is not so much because of what they give moving forward or what they give to a midfield, but it's because when they do lose the ball, when the team loses the ball, it's much easier, isn't it, for Tomiyasu to join up with part of the back line and, and become part of this narrow unit. And so you're almost affording people the space in the wide areas and saying, if we have to give up something, we're going to give up that area there because naturally it is more difficult for you to score from there. And we're going to get into defensive position and into that narrow defensive shape a lot quicker. It's more that than it is about stepping into the midfield. It's about being in a place whereby when you do lose the ball, you can quickly get back into a compact line of defence and prevent people from exposing you through the middle. So you're almost forcing people out wide by doing that, which gives the rest of your team, time and opportunity to get back. So I think it's more about what it means in the transition from a defensive point of view than it is about what it means moving forward. 
Um, so that's that's my my take on it, or that's how, at least how I see it. Uh, Mint says I don't expect anything other than a win. Um, Josh Hunter says that should Tommy go into the three if we were going to go with it, leaving Ainsley Maitland Niles at right wing back. So he's talking about if we were to go um, into a back three, would I put Ainsley Maitland Niles as a right wing back and put Tommy Asu? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, we know he can play there. We know he's he's done a very, very good job over the years playing as part of a back three. So Tommy Asu can certainly do that role. I don't know if Mikel Arteta would see it like that, if he would see as maybe Rob Holding as someone to come in. I'm not sure. But, you know, I think if you're t- trying to, if Arsenal do want to play that way and you're trying to name Arsenal's strongest 11, then obviously Tommy Asu feels like a better option, doesn't he, than some of the, the others that are available. And then maybe Maitland-Niles could come into the right wing back role, partly because I'm not sure how good Tommy Asu would be as a right wing back as well as anything else. Right, uh, so that's my team, Two-Face, Brighton and Hove Albion. So what am I going for in terms of a prediction? Thought long and hard about this, been thinking about it quite a bit today. I've I've been back and forth on it a few times as well, changed my mind. But I think I'm going to go with a 3-1 Arsenal win. Now, remember, uh, I've been pretty good in my predictions. I've got two out of three in the last three weeks. So uh, I'm going to go with a 3-1 to the Arsenal. I think we're going to have some joy against Brighton on the counter-attack. I really do. And I think with Saka and Aubameyang's pace, when they do push up the field, we could really, really stretch them if we transition the ball quick enough. I think Lakonga and Partey have the ability to play uh, progressive passes from defensive midfield positions. Martin Odegaard, we know, is capable of that also. Uh, So I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how and if Arsenal can expose the fact that Brighton do like to squeeze quite hard the pitch and do like to also play uh, an aggressive brand of football. So, uh, yeah, 3-1 to the Arsenal is what I'm going for. You know, I guess the final kind of point that I want to make again, and I made it at the top of the show, but I think we need to probably make it again, is when the final whistle blows at the Amex tomorrow, even if Arsenal haven't picked up all three points, stop, pause, think about where we were three weeks ago, and then think again about whether or not this was a, a disgrace of a result. I, you know, I, I I genuinely believe Arsenal can win this game. And I genuinely am going into it really, really optimistic. But if it doesn't work out, if we don't go and blow them off the park and we fight and we battle and we give our all and we come away with a point, I think it will be a good point. And I'll tell you what, there'll be better sides than Arsenal um, who will struggle at the Amex at various points this season. So that's the point I, I guess I want to get across just before we wrap up the show. Big thank you to everybody who has joined me uh, today. I hope you're all well. I hope you're all going to get up to something fun on this Friday night and try and take your mind off what is going to be probably another stressful Arsenal encounter uh, this weekend. We've only got, as I can see right now, 49 likes on the board, but there's over 175 of you watching us across the multiple platforms. So please, please do, if you haven't done so already, hit that like button. I'll catch you all tomorrow with some post-match reaction. Very much, uh, I don't want to say I'm very much looking forward to it because I can only look forward to it if Arsenal win the game. But I do look forward to catching up with you guys tomorrow. So make sure you come and join me at around about eight o'clock to round up what we saw 
from Brighton Arsenal at the Amex Stadium. So hopefully it's 3-1 to the Arsenal, looking for a good performance, looking for Arsenal to continue the momentum they have built over the last few weeks. It's four wins on the spin in all competitions and fingers crossed we make it five. I'll catch you all soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Come on, you Gunners. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.